Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSat certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. So I've got Amy on the line. Amy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I have a question about what um, healthy sexuality looks like when Mm. a sex addict is in recovery. One of the things we know about research and sex addicts is that they don't necessarily want sex with their own wife. And so, to me, that says he's in really good recovery because he does want that with you. He has been two years sober. He has been in three facilities. And I suspect that's how he's wanting closeness with you. And that's exactly right. I'm suspecting that, too. Sexuality is such a hard thing to navigate. And when you've been betrayed, it's even harder. And what I know is that there are unhealthy sexual behaviors and there are healthy sexual behaviors. And you may or may not know what they are because this may be something you haven't touched with a 10-foot pole. You know, I said to Amy, and I, I believe this, that When a man is in good recovery, he may not be able to have an intimate physical relationship because he's trained his brain to want all the wrong things. But he can retrain his brain. That brain is malleable. It's flexible. And when he does retrain the brain and he's working on getting closeness with you, it will be perhaps the best sexual relationship you could have ever wanted. Now, you may be somebody that says, hey, you know what? Sex is the only thing that's right in our relationship. Because I've seen that happen with couples too that their sexuality, their relationship seems to be good. I'm always kind of amazed, you know, partner betrayal is sexual betrayal, and you would think that that first and foremost would be problematic, but not necessarily. And what I know and have learned from my colleagues, from reading books, from going to seminars on sexuality. I actually trained with Dr. Laura Berman, who was Oprah's sex specialist on her show when Oprah had a television show. And um, she's out of Chicago, so she was close. I'm in Indianapolis. We're both Midwest girls. And actually, actually, she just lost a son to, I think, opiate addiction. It has broken her heart. But what I've learned is that, you know, healthy sexuality not only means that you engage in sex and enjoy each other's body, but it means that there's a definite mutual consent. And when somebody's not in the mood, the other person doesn't pout. 
he or she doesn't get mad, um, but is accepting sexual differences. Healthy sexuality requires that you talk about sex. You talk about what you like. You talk about what you may need emotionally to feel safe enough to ever venture there again. Because what I tell addicts is this, and remember, I'm pretty ruthless. I say if if she never wants to have sex with you again, and you are destined to live that life, and you're in good recovery, you better hope that you can find other things to focus on because you contaminated that. And there's no guarantee that's coming back. Now, that's what they should be told by their sponsors. Do I... Do I feel sad for a relationship where sex is no longer a part of it? Of course I do. I feel sad that, you know, you both can't enjoy each other's bodies and your own bodies. But I don't believe you should. Well, this is not exactly true. I'll tell you what I was going to say, and then I'll tell you what I really meant. I started to say I don't believe you should both comply out of obligation. However, I do tell couples that have not experienced sexual betrayal that if they don't have the libido, if they don't have the desire, but there's not been wounding, to go ahead and give that part of themselves as a gift, even though they don't particularly want it. Because women that haven't been betrayed, who may have lost their libido, um, more often than not tell me I was not into it, I don't don't have a sexual thought in my body, Um, but after I got into it, I enjoyed it. And that's really what counts, is that you enjoy sexuality on any level. So that's why I tell women who have not been betrayed, you know, give it as a gift. You may find that you actually do enjoy it. If he is not a good lover, I'm telling you right now, you need to get some help for that. There's no reason to be with somebody who physically doesn't know what to do. And if you told him and he doesn't give it, or you haven't told him, then you need professional help. Because safety requires honesty and trust. And when you have those items, healthy communication has to come next. You all know that I'm running a Help Her Heal group for men. And I really believe in the power of groups for men and women. I've got a colleague who is starting up an Unleashing Your Power group for women because we at APSATS want you to heal. 
if you are interested in pursuing a group that's forward-focused, that's positive, that's going to get you to the other side, you're not going to just sit around and moan and groan for four years on what needs to happen. I would encourage you to go to Amy Nagy. Dot com. That's A-M-Y-N-A-G-Y dot com. Because I promise you that if you do, you will go to, you'll go to a group that's forward thinking. Granted, she uses my book, right? But this is a group that helps you get through the three stages of partner betrayal. Safety and stabilization, it helps you find that. Grief, mourning, and anger, it helps you get there. And post-traumatic growth. You know, when you've been betrayed by a man, you do not want to stay in that place and position where you can't enjoy your life and enjoy yourself because you've been too wounded. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Rihanna Milne knows that Nine out of ten women struggle in life and love. She's written about it. She's written several books, Live Beyond Your Dreams. Um, she, has, she does workshops. She sees people individually. And I wanted her to come on the show and talk about narcissism and toxic relationships because you know that as a couple, I want, you all, I want you to heal. I want you to heal for yourself. I want you to heal for the coupleship. And I want you to heal for your family. But the truth of the matter is there is a certain percentage of sex addicts that either have narcissistic features or they have the big NPD, and that is narcissistic personality disorder. And if you're with somebody who's super self-absorbed and he doesn't show empathy and it's all about him, well, let's just see if some of those qualities are the same signs that Rihanna is going to talk about today because she actually has studied this. She's worked with many, many people who have dealt with narcissistic or sociopathic partners. And she's going to be very helpful. I, I really appreciate the fact that she is a coach. She's just got a lot of different um, qualifications after her name. So I'm going to ask her a little bit about herself, her story, and why she has committed her life to helping men and women who struggle in, in life and love. So... Is it Rihanna or Rihanna? Hi, Carol. It's Rihanna Milne. Soft day. That's what Rihanna. that's what I thought, and then, and then I thought maybe I'm not saying it right. I mean, you you've been on the show before. You have such yeah. a gift in the in the way that you share information. Tell our listeners a little Thank bit you. about your journey and and why this topic especially is important for them. Sure. Um, well, I was doing mindset for success work in my 20s and actually had a model and talent school and agency for 10 years. Then I went back to school to get a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology. 
and opened up my own psychotherapy practice in year 2000. So I've been a psychotherapist 21 years plus. Um, here in Florida, it's called Licensed Mental Health Counselor. In New Jersey, I was an LPC. Um, I also uh, am a licensed certified alcohol and drug addictions counselor, student assistance counselor. So I worked in the schools from every grade, kindergarten through college, worked in rehab centers with teens and women from the prison system, and also worked in a child and adolescent unit of um, a hospital for mental health work. So with all these different experiences, the ages, the cultures, the backgrounds, I kept seeing that the same top 10 childhood traumas kept coming up over and over again that was leading them to problems in life, love, or business. Um, And I know that's what our other show is about. So uh, our listeners, if you have not heard about this 10 traumas, make sure you listen in on that. But um, what personally got me more focused on this topic versus general psychotherapy was that I experienced two different partners that um, were narcissistic and sociopathic. Um, And I'll go into what the differences are today. But I was very young. I married my college sweetheart, and he ended up um, really frauding my mother out of $200,000 when I was 24 years old and had two little girls. Um, so that was a lot of money back then. That was like a half a million dollars today. And I got nothing Mm -hmm. for it, but it took me about 16 years of my life to pay her back because it was the right thing to do. And then later in life, I ended up uh, marrying a man. We were introduced by his school superintendent. So I thought, what a great referral. He's a school principal. I was in the schools at another district. It seemed like a perfect match. And we actually had a perfect idyllic life until his secret life exploded on him, and that was um, really found out at the school level. Um, So I immediately stepped up for myself. I went in, served as my own attorney, annulled the marriage, and then I said, now how do I heal? Um, Being a therapist, I had seven therapist friends. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw any clue of him doing this. I'm like, wow, he was brilliant. Um, and I don't have the time to babysit anyone. I'm a busy person helping lots of people. So I figured I was living in integrity. So was he, but he was not. Um, so it devastated my life. I went through like post-traumatic stress response and I said, I've got to get to the bottom of this one for my own healing and two, so I can spiritually forgive him. And childhood trauma was not even talked about back then. Nobody heard of it. I didn't hear about it in my master's program. But once I went into the psychological journals and started doing all this research and pieced this all together, that's when childhood trauma, you know, was pieced together with all my experience. And then I developed a childhood trauma checklist, uh, which we went over in your other show. And later, many years later, the Kaiser Permanente group came out with how unhealed childhood trauma impacts people in health uh, and disease. And really, when it's unhealed, it brings on early ailments and early death. So that was their study, but they really didn't get into the emotional love, uh, how it sabotages you in life or in business. And that was my whole focus of my research. So it's all quite interesting. That's how I got into it. Yeah, it sounds like you were ahead of the game. And, you know, you their research substantiated what you believed and knew. Yeah, I was thrilled when that came out because I did a large study of 17,000-plus people, and I was just 
drawing conclusions from the people I worked with and the relationships I was in. Um, but it was very interesting. Our, our top ten lists were very different. Like they did not have abandonment on their list. They did not have personal trauma like being bullied or not fitting in like my LGBTQ clients. You know, nowhere was that identified. Um, so there was a lot of things, uh, my kids that I worked with from foster care or adoption that just felt different and that they um, didn't feel loved or given up by their families. These were huge misses in, in my opinion that, you know, and there's others as well, like community trauma, they didn't mention that, you know, um, like we're all going through community trauma with experiencing the COVID pandemic, right? So how is that impacting us individually? Uh, our families, our income, and that's a big stressor individually in our families and in our communities. So there was a lot of big misses when it came to what I saw as um, unhealed trauma, whether it's childhood trauma or love relationship trauma. Okay, so give us a little um, briefing here. Obviously, we're going to be talking about narcissism and narcissistic personality disorders, but I'm kind of curious, what do you think are some of the top 20, if you will, toxic personality types? Okay, well, I do define those in the number one best-selling book I wrote called Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, which I was writing while I was healing, (laughs) and a lot of my research went in there. Um, so the right. personality types I talk about are first the charming con artist, and that's our antisocial personality disorders, which is sociopath and psychopath, and I'll go into what those differences are. Then the second category would be under emotional manipulators, which is the narcissist and borderline and bipolar personality disorder. Then there's other things that aren't quite scientific names, like one is I call Peter Pan Man, and that's the man that refuses to grow up. You know, still wants to slug beers with his buddies and try to pick girls up, even though he's married with a family. You know, the the guy that always wants to be young, um, to an, an outrageous uh, degree where he's hurting others, hurting his wife or his family. Then there's the mama's boy who will always put the mother before his wife when it comes to making decisions. And we have one called the mother hater, someone that grew up with a very critical, demanding, abusive mom. Um, Rightfully so, as a child and a teen, he probably hated his mom, but that never healed. And how that shows up is very much perfectionism for his wife. He has this idealized vision of, the perfect woman and, and for me will be loving and nurturing and kind and dote on me and, you know, God forbid she makes a mistake and then he could flip out at her because that childhood trauma wound is still there. Then we have the habitual liar, the chronic cheater, um, which could be both emotional cheating and physical cheating. And the difference is physical cheating is intimate acts. Emotional cheating could be, you know, contacting through social media or hiding on a dating site and just chatting with women trying to get attention. That's an emotional cheater. Uh, The angry and the critical uh, or moody person, the poor communicators, which is also passive-aggressive. And that would come from someone that was afraid to speak his feelings as a child. He might have gotten beaten 
or his punishment would have been 10 times worse if he would have tried to even speak about his feelings or defend himself. So he learned to just shut down, not talk about his feelings. And as a man, the aggressive part is the frustration that he doesn't know how to calmly and peacefully, but yet empoweredly, talk about his feelings. And then we have the histrionic drama queen, which is women, which is the opposite side of the male narcissist, kind of the same thing. But the histrionic is called, mostly called towards women. And then we have those categorized as abusive. And there's emotionally abusive, physical, verbal, sexual, financial abuse. There's all kinds of abuses going on like that. So those are the top ones that I call and talk about in my book. Absolutely. You've just done so much. I can't believe this. Now, tell me, (laughs) you know, I know that women can be attracted to this. I don't ascribe to the fact that, for instance, in sex addiction, I don't think partners had any idea that they were attracting a sex addict into their life. Addiction is so cunning and baffling and 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 yet they may have had an abusive father, and now they may have um, a man in their life that just doesn't seem to show empathy and is not able to uh, give her what she needs. What do you think about sex addiction uh, in regards to sociopathy or narcissism? Um, very often the sex addicts, like most addicts, are narcissistic. They put themselves first and their addiction first. And again, this is coming from childhood wounds. No child is born a narcissist, right? So it's from the pain of the past. And some of the signs that you're with a narcissist is they seek excessive admiration. They have this sense of entitlement and they hate rules. So the entitlement piece when it comes to sex is he wants sex, you should say yes, and if you don't, he's going to make you feel lousy about it or cut you down or stomp off and have a hissy fit or shut down and not talk to you and punish you three days through silence. You know, this sense of entitlement is signs of narcissism. They're preoccupied with fantasies of the ideal love or beautiful lady, success, fantasies of power, um, and very often um, the, the sexual addict who's narcissist, if the wife says no, um, or, yeah, and she, let's say she's a very successful woman. I work with a lot of successful ladies. So if she says no, he might go out and pick up someone the next day at his, the local diner, someone that he flatters and charms into having sex with him. So they tend to be, you know, chronic cheaters. Um, They are jealous and controlling. They lack empathy towards somebody else's pain. They're selfish, tend to be materialistic, and they only worry about themselves and what they're getting or their own gain. So they do tend to take advantage of others. Now, those are some signs of the narcissist. When we talk about the sociopath, the key definition I use, which is real simple to understand, is the sociopath and psychopath uses others for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. Okay, and they're both always narcissistic. So if you had a hierarchy of what's the worst, the psychopath is the worst, then sociopath, then narcissist. 
So the difference with a psychopath and sociopath is the psychopath has a criminal thinking and acting. Um, he's able to show feelings as normal. He comes off as normal. Um, he has no concern or empathy uh, about his consequences or hurting another. Very high uh, risky behavior, and very manipulative, and of course dishonest. So an example of this would be a Bernie Madoff, the criminal mind who soaked thousands of people out of retirement monies over many years, right, and came off totally normal. Um, and that's really a psychopathic mind, very cunning, okay, with criminal intent, no remorse. And the psychopath is also the one that kills, okay, no remorse over the, the people they kill. So that's why that's the worst. And then the sociopath, very similar signs of the psychopath, but some things that make them a little bit different is uh, they're more irritable and moody. They're likely to spontaneously act out, more impulsive. They have uh, usually a lack of stability in their job and their home life. And, um, you know, like the psychopath, they also lack empathy and have superficial charm and are dishonest as well. Um, let me see if there's anything else. They, um, they crave money, status, power. They use others to get it. They tend to be a loner, not have many friends. Um, and if they have friends, they tend to be more subservient, like kind of kiss up to the sociopath. And they're usually toxic too. Um, definitely in the list is the promiscuous sexuality because for them, sex equals power. And strangely enough, these could have been people that were teased and bullied and felt like nothing as a kid, not worthy enough, uh, ashamed, and then they would grow up and their looks came to them. And then it's kind of like payback in a way. I'll charm whatever woman I want to get whatever I want. And that's where the sex and the charm becomes power. Um, very much in the sociopath, you usually see early behavioral problems. Uh, some criminal records for our single people up there. I always say do a background check by before date three. If you're having date one and two and you're enjoying yourself, before date three, do a background check. Um, they usually, if you are a wealthy, successful woman, they always will usually want fast marriages to a wealthy partner. And the problem is with women that may not have had good love from father or mother growing up, they will love the love bombing. This is what they tend to do to rope in their clients. Um, they'll love bomb you. They'll be the perfect partner, charm you. Um, so you have to be very careful. And if they ask you to get married early, it's not a compliment. It's a red flag. It's like, oh, okay, this is really quick. They want to be exclusive quick. They're saying, I love you quick. Um, so this is almost a desperation neediness to connect with you very fast. So you have to be very careful and you want to look at those red flags. Once things normalize, about four months in, and if the signs are showing the researchers four to nine months, these signs could start coming out like jealousy, controlling, isolating your partner from family or friends, uh, expecting perfectionism. They start nitpicking you more. You'll see more impulsivity, and the addictions will start coming out. Because very often those with addictions will hide it the first 90 days. They'll try not to show anything. 
So alcohol use could be picked up, demand for more sex, pills, cocaine, something like that. And you'll start seeing, like, um, ruthless behavior um, where they won't apologize. Right. Now, I'm I'm curious because obviously a lot of our listeners um, have already been married, and they're wondering if, if their husband is, well, has these traits, I would say, more traits than the actual personality disorder. And for our, for our partners out there that are divorced, those are all good things to look for because you're almost going to get seduced into believing in him right off the bat, and then you'll find out the real meal deal once you're with him. For married mm-hmm. partners who are questioning if if their husbands can ever develop empathy, if they can ever be put first, you know, it's interesting. The research we do at Abstats says that recovering from partner betrayal requires that if you're going to stay with that person, that he puts you first for a while. He has wounded you horribly, and now he needs to show you that he's going to put you first while you heal. And I don't think a narcissist could do that. Do you? <laughs> um, it's rare. I have had um, women come in and I said, no matter what you do, if he won't go to help, you know, for help, you start. Show him you're serious that, you know, if he doesn't want to go, you're going to go to get yourself healthy healed, feeling better, so you start with your coaching and trauma recovery. Very often they get, my ladies get so strong, they feel great about themselves, they get their confidence back, they start feeling sexy about themselves again, that they're about ready to leave this marriage. And right as they're ready to leave, this is when the man will say, can I come in? Because very often the narcissist is very COVID-dependent. So you have to get strong and show that you're serious, that you will no longer endure this pattern. You're not going to take it anymore. And if he doesn't change, you're so empowered, you're ready to move on and feel fine about Mm -hmm. it. And if he wants to change, then he would come in and, uh, well, for me, they would work with me. Um, And I've had several relationships like that um, where at the end, when the lady's about ready to walk out that door, he sees her changing, he sees her dressing a little bit more alluring and with more confidence in her steps, you know, then he said, wow, she really might leave me. And then he takes it serious. So, you know, at that point, you know, if they're married, I do invite the husband to come in. But I say to the ladies, get started. Don't wait. Because if you change nothing, nothing changes. Okay. Got it. And all of that, those Good advice tips are in your book. So tell us a little bit about your book. Sure. Uh, The second part of Love Beyond Your Dreams is break free of toxic relationships to have the love you deserve. And it's uh, 400 pages with four sections. So the first section is identifying the personality types that I briefly went into when we started the chat. And then the second is, you know, should you go or should you stay? You're on the fence of, do I still love him? Do I love him, but i got to let him go because I need a sane life? Um, part three is the healing and getting yourself empowered and getting there out there to date. 
And part four is what does the ideal emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious love relationship look like? What are the questions you should be asking when you're dating? So you can identify, has their childhood traumas healed? Are they still bringing this into the relationship? My clients know really solid, Carol. By the first date or second, yes or no, to go to the third date, and they know exactly why. And unfortunately, we didn't learn this growing up. We didn't look at what ideal relationships were in our parents. Most of all, us didn't see that. And then we weren't taught any dating skills. And then, you know, there's dating books out there, but the real psychology and emotional intelligence behind dating, most people don't know that. And that's the research and, and the information I go into with my clients so they feel empowered when they're going out there dating again. Right. Well, you know, you have on your website so many opportunities, so many tools for people to learn from. And our listeners can take four free love tests, whether they're single or in a coupleship, to help them better understand themselves. You do have a free book available for our listeners right now. And you actually have reduced a coaching session from $500 to 47 for a first-time um, coaching session for our listeners. So how can they get those yes. special um, How they get that, just go to my website. is rihannamilne.com, my name. And right on the header there, well, there's an orange button that takes you to the $47 assessment session. And there's five tests that I would do with you. One is a childhood trauma checklist. One is a red flag checklist. So we're really looking at relationship history and your childhood uh, pattern history within that one hour of working with you. Um, also, there's free book chapter downloads under the book section of both Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. Free ebook is on there, and as Carol said, the, the four love tests that you can take. And it's, it's a wealth of information. Of course, my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love, where I break down all these topics a lot more. So I think there's 106 shows on my uh, website as well as my YouTube channel. Um, so please help yourself to these free resources. Well, and, and you've got a specialty in love addiction also. Can you tell our listeners what is love addiction and how can that at times fit into uh, being attracted to somebody who ultimately is only thinking about himself. Right. Well, the initials are CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional. So I deal with both childhood and love trauma recovery. Um, when you have been through that, you know, like I said, it's very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. And you really need to take your time to heal, not get out and date. Um, where it comes from, the love addiction, is usually from uh, trauma number five of the top ten, which is abandonment issues. So anyone as a child that might have had either false or no false abandonment um, could find themselves attracted to these men that love bomb. Okay, it's like that feels so good to them because they're unconscious wounds, um, the unconscious desires and craves that kind of love and attention because you might not have gotten it. So under abandonment, there's fault and no fault. So a no fault abandonment as a child, you might have lost a parent very early. They might have gone off to serve at war. 
or even traveling a lot and barely being home, uh, but that's how they supported the family. These are all no-fault situations that they really did for the good of the family. Um, and default abandonment is if the parent was never involved in your life, they were there until their relationship or marriage broke up, and then after that they barely saw you. Or it even includes if the person was in the home but they barely interacted with you. We call that an emotional abandonment. That It's like the father that might be watching football all weekend, has his child for custody, and the kid's in the room on their computer because I hear this from my kids I used to work with all the time. Miss Rihanna, why do I even have to go? He barely talks to me. I don't like him. I don't want to be there. You know, so that's that sadness around this parent doesn't even care or they don't go to their school events. So when you experience these as a child, these wounds stay with you as an adult until they're healed. And what can happen with love addiction is that research shows you could be with someone who consciously you know they're no good for you, but then you break up and then you get back together because you miss them so much. You said, well, maybe you will change this time. And then you're back together for, and there's peace for like 10 to 14 days and then something else happens. So the average is breaking up and getting back together seven times. So if you're in that cycle, you know you're in a love addiction cycle. And it is a part of these childhood wounds for sure. Um, and, you know, you may get, some people always ask me, Carol, like, how did I attract a sociopath? Because that was something I wanted to know. Like, how did I, you know, attract someone like this into my life? And some of our listeners may be curious about that. Um, but the research shows that sociopaths and psychopaths really go after good-hearted people because we usually are forgiving. We give people a second chance. This is also people who are faith-based spiritual or religious and believe in God and forgiveness, um, they often want that peace. They, they crave the peace and that person they go after might be very calm, have their life very organized and peaceful. Um, and they often go after women that are financially, um, you know, very secure and can give them the lifestyle that they want. Or opposite, they want someone who's dependent on them so they can do whatever they want. And that woman finds it hard to leave the relationship or the marriage. Um, very often, the good parts of them, they love them. They love that part. And they want to believe they will change this time. But then the bad part seems to, over time, take over. You know, it's like eventually enough's enough. So. And so... I want to ask you, because understandably, this happened to you, and I'm hearing you say toxic people go after good-hearted, well-meaning people because they know that they can take advantage of them. Now, is that correct? That's usually the case as far as the research shows. People that are loyal, uh, wealthy people, um, they seek out people that rescue, so they often go after teachers, nurses, uh, even judges, believe it or not, attorneys that help. Um, so high-status women that have empathy um, towards others. Okay. And so if some of our listeners aren't wealthy or they don't have those great-paying jobs, they still very well could be targets of narcissism or 
sociopathy. Wouldn't you agree? Anyone could be a target. Um, but that one TV show, Dirty John, it was a series. Everybody should watch that. It is really classic textbook. Uh, the woman, this was a true story. The woman in the story, she was a very beautiful architect, um, went to church, a good mom, beautiful home, you know, and you sh- it showed the whole pattern of him targeting her. So that's, I would say, probably about 80% of the cases uh, because, again, the sociopath wants lifestyle advancement. They want wealth, status, power, and they're using people for pleasure or profit, which is that lifestyle advancement. So that's normally more the case, and that's why I think that that story, how they did it, was you know a very important story for women to see, you know how this works. Um, so yeah, they seek out the rescuers, and um, any t- any little bit of hope after you break up, you know, if you're trying to be nice or keep the friendship. You know, don't do that because they're going to keep coming back. If there's a little sliver of hope, they will keep trying to romance you to get back into your life. Got it. Well, you know, I cannot thank you enough for, again, sharing all your wisdom and really helping our listening audience to know what to beware of. You know, we've got three types of women. We've got women that are divorced from a sex addict. Mm -hmm. We have women that are trying to make it work. And then we've got women that, you know, are in between and they're wondering what they need to do. And so staying out of toxic relationships is certainly what they can do to take better care of themselves. Now, I would encourage them to go to your website. And, again, that is – or they can email you, but the website is really your name. Um, It is is. www.riana. M-I-L-N-E dot com, Milne dot com. And there they can have access to lots of free information and uh, they'll get healthy. Yeah, and the e-book is there too um, on childhood trauma. So it's important. If they are attracting this type of person into their life, they have to know that that's their own childhood wounds. And they're going to want to start uh, really starting to heal those and become more educated and learn the stuff we all never learned in school or from our parents, you know, to be empowered and knowledgeable when you're dating. Um, The worst way to fall in love is through chemistry because chemistry is your past attracting, you know, they say people of trauma attract people of trauma. So we really have to look at, you know, who are you going after and why or who are you attracting into your life and becoming uh, stronger so that you know the signs to keep yourself safe. Okay. Thank you so much. And, you know, continued success. You just can't stop writing. And, you know, I love that. So thank you. (laughs) You know, I'm glad you you made this tragedy. You turned it into transformation for yourself, and now you're giving it back to others. Uh, we really appreciate you. Have a good you're one. You're welcome. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, again, I can't emphasize enough. If you feel like um, you could be with somebody who's toxic, you could be with a sociopath or a narcissist, you wonder who you're living with it. It sounds like she's got a lot of important 
important information that she shares for free. And as I indicated, you can take her love test. Um, she has a free book chapter on Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. She has a free ebook. Why nine out of ten people struggle in life and love? How to have the love you deserve? And you know that's my tagline: create the life you deserve. And then you can meet with her one time for forty-seven dollars. So you know you might decide, hey, I'm going to take my life to the next level, and I'm going to talk to Rihanna. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, listening to the show. Again, if you're into a woman's group, I cannot recommend Amy enough. That's A-M-Y-N-A-G-Y. She's a coach. She's got a great website. And contact her and let her know that you're interested. I do believe her next group starts, I want to say, the first week of June. So you have a little time. Please give her a call, and thanks for listening to AppSats.org. It's all about protecting you by educating you. I'm Carol the Coach, and as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. For more information, go to AppSats.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.